Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, friends beyond the binary, and my Patreon peeps, I can sing for thee, because it's the start of the show. Patreon peeps, thanks so much for supporting the show. Don't you know, I gotta go, but thank you so, Patreon peeps. Tonight's uh, show is also possible to hard work of uh, Chris Post, who posts this in from Sounds Like an Airful Studios, who edits our shows and does the theme music, Carl W., who edits episodes, uh, Jonathan Mann, who's on our lullabies, uh, Scotty, Jennifer, Kenny, our honor, honor, honor artwork. I'm at Dear Scooter on Twitter. That's where you'll find me. I want to thank all our patrons that voluntarily... Uh, subscribing, uh, you know, you might use a mandatory service like Spotify or Netflix, but those patrons they compare. They say, "Well, I use Sleep with Me way more than that." I'm going to be. It must cost a lot of work and investment to make that show. Let me give some value back. Uh, so thanks to, to our patrons who do that over at sleepwithmepodcast.com/slash/patron. Make sure your emails up to addresses up to date, and you have your Patreon RSS set up if you're a patron. And also want to thank the listeners uh, who have their own Facebook group, and it's moderated over there by uh, Julian, Jennifer, uh, Stacy, and Sarah, and Lauren, Keith. And that's it. What do you say we keep the show going? Uh, hey, you up all night tossing, turning, mind racing, trouble getting to sleep, trouble staying asleep? Well, welcome. This is Sleep With Me, the podcast that puts you to sleep. We do with a bedtime story. All you need to do is get in bed, turn out the lights, and press play. I'm going to do the rest. What I'm going to attempt to do is create a safe place where you could set aside whatever's keeping you awake, whether it's thoughts, feelings, physical sensations, Travel, temperature, wind. Oh, boy, that wind. Come on, wind. What in the heck? Uh, uh, changes in routine, work schedule. Maybe you're out of town. Whatever it is, I'd like to keep you company and uh, distract you just enough uh, to carry you off in a dreamland or to keep you company if, if you wish, if you so choose. And here's the, here's, the, here's one thing about this podcast. I can say if you'll indulge me, but you don't even need to. Maybe we'll talk about that. Uh, yeah, but first, let's talk about uh, what I'm going to do. I'm going to send my voice across the deep, dark night. I'm going to use a lulling, soothing, creaky, and croaky dulcet tones. A pointless meanders. Oof, oh, boy. Superfluous tangents. You better believe it. Uh, uh, pro- pro- senseless proclamations maybe this time maybe not uh, I do proclaim I have no idea it's new though I don't think I've, I don't know I think every episode has had senseless proclamations it just never poor senseless proclamation never been acknowledged before of all the proclamations that was, that was another book Gingerbread Press 2830 if there's still print, there will be print. By, the, the, the tale of a senseless proclamation. Uh, the proclamation with a frown. Until the end of the story. Obviously, we turned around by then. Where was I? You said my voice across the lonely, soothing tones, pointless meanders, senseless proclamations, uh, plenty of other stuff. Uh, 
to to be your companion, to be your boar friend, your boar bay, your boar sib, your boar cuz, your boar bestie. I'm here to keep you company. And what I'm going to do if you're new here, let me give you a couple of things to uh, structure the show. I already forgot what I was going to talk about once a senseless proclamation came up. Uh, I thought I was going to do some comparing of things. But anyway, uh, if you're new, structure shows. Show starts off with a little business. That's how we keep the show in the archives free. And we keep that's literally how we keep the show going. Regular listeners just know when their hand hits the fridge tomorrow, what they do is they go on their phone, they go to sleepwithmepodcast.com slash sponsors. They say, oh, who sponsored my favorite podcast? Uh, let me check that out. Uh, but if you're new, not super important. Then there's an intro. The intros are about 12 to 11 to 14 to 16 minutes. They're kind of a show within a show. Best just suited for paint drying. Uh, when you're staring at stuff, slack-jawed staring. And uh, getting ready for bed or getting into bed and easing into the, your bedtime routine. And that's where I try to explain what the podcast is. Done it almost 800 times. So, so far, there has, you know, I just haven't, got, I don't have it, don't have it quite down yet. Any of this podcasting stuff, really. I don't even know. To be honest, I'm sitting here recording. I don't even know if I have 700 episodes out. I think I do. I could have 600, though, or it could be 500. I don't know what number I'm on. My, my mind went blank on it. No, it said, are you sure about that 700 number? I said, no idea. What do we got, 600 episodes, 500? It only feels like it feels like it's only been four. It's, you know, it, you, you, so... Oh, what's they saying? Oh, if you're new, the intros, uh, their show within a show don't make a lot of sense, uh, but they kind of give you the the sense of the podcast. Uh, yeah, they get you in the mood, get you prepped for bedtime, let your pets know that, or your partner, or your neighbors, or your plants. Uh, you know, I'm big, I'm big on plants now. When it, you know, that's the next big uh, market for podcasts, or my only my podcast, plants. I don't know if that's a demographic or a psychographic. It causes marketers to sigh graphic. For me, I say, well, what about plants? I say, I have a whole contingent of plants listening. And that's what the sound the marketers make when I say, when I'm on a conference call. And then someone will say, oh, Scoots is just kidding. That's the person that usually is representing me. I say, no, no, I'm serious, uh, you got to think ahead of two. We got to play. I thought we were playing the long game here. Plants are deserving markets. Just think about what it did to uh, old senseless meander, whoever I was talking about earlier in the podcast intro. Uh, sorry, conference caller. So I got to get back to the new listeners. So that's the intro. Then there's a little bit of business tucked in between the intro and the episode. Uh, again, catch it at sleep. You know, when your hand hits the fridge tomorrow, how, how do I support my favorite podcast? Uh, then we'll have an episode, a bed- bedtime story. Uh, this will be kind of a how we make bedtime stories uh, style episode uh, about our uh, series that just concluded. Then there's some thank yous at the end. Uh, all told, I'll be here about an hour. That's the structure of the show. Uh, the thing about the podcast is you don't really need to listen. You can kind of listen. Oh, that was, that was what I was going to talk about was indulging you don't need to indulge me, you, or you don't need to pretend to, to indulge me. 
because uh, you don't need to listen. You can kind of listen. You can barely listen. You can listen to where I'm incomprehensible, which some people could say all the time. Or here's the deal. If you can't sleep, uh, if you're really having trouble, or say you're stressed out and it's during the day, I'm going to be here till the end because I really do care. And I do put a lot of work in the show so you don't have to listen, but you can. And I think because I am here and you don't need to listen, maybe that helps you fall asleep. I don't know. That's one of my theories. I put it all, I put the effort all the way in the end so you don't have to listen. And you're not going to miss anything because uh, it's a podcast. You can re listen at any time. Uh, so that's, uh, oh, let's see, structure show. You don't need to listen. Also, no pressure to fall asleep. Like I said, I'll be here the whole time uh, to keep you company. So you can drift off at your leisure. Ideally, you won't even know it. Uh, uh, and like I said, you don't need to indulge me. I was thinking that would have more legs about something I could go on to meanders and tangents about. Uh, like, because there's indulgences. But then I thought of that name of that character. Was it senseless proclamation? Uh, I'd like to indulge in the thoughts. Hey, Alec, uh, do you have a category, category, uh, an allegory, uh, indulging in senseless indulging in senseless proclamations for five hundred? Okay, my Jeopardy part of my brain's shut down right now. But yeah, think about old senseless proclamation. The one proclamation that was never, until this show, was never proclaimed. And even then, I didn't uh, acknowledge its, pro- you know, how do you acknowledge? Maybe that could be another book, a self-help, maybe uh, acknowledging proclamations. Who was, who was a big, who was big in, the, you know, it could be written by a town crier. Maybe that dude who was the, was that Paul Revere? Who was the one that was riding that horse and doing that stuff? Uh, I don't know, but like uh, old senseless proclamation is a close friend of mine now, as of this uh, episode intro. And uh, I guess like I guess I thought I thought that would have more legs too. But indulging, it, this is the only podcast you can indulge in. Uh, it, I guess it doesn't have, it doesn't have any uh, extra stuff other than words and non-connected. This is a linear podcast, uh, that, uh, like the binary units disagree. They say, well, we don't know if it's necessarily, uh, we've looked at your zeros and your ones, scoots, and we've seen all your bits. And I say, really? And then they make a bunch of jokes that I can't share on the podcast intro about my bits. And I say, I don't even can't even get that out. Uh, and uh, I say, indulge me uh, because I'm here to indulge the listener in an indul- indulgent experience. You don't even need to listen to so indulgent. You don't even need to taste it. Like, I, I don't think any they've ever sold any indulgent uh, treats like that. Because uh, I don't think that would work. But I say, so indulgent, like, like, uh. What's that ice cream? The space ice cream. Now they sell it everywhere, which I don't. It seems to have helped their market share somehow. What do they call it? Space balls ice cream. I can't remember what it's called. Of course, uh, the little circles—they look like little beads. Um, how's my brain? Not, but oh no, they used to have freeze-dried ice cream. That was another treat you could get. And usually, a kid camping, a kid that did a lot of camping would bring it. And I don't know if I've ever had it, to, to be honest. Uh, but I think that's like something 
that uh, is very, you know, it's uh, barely, doesn't have a lot of mass, uh, but you still indulge in it. And I would say this podcast does not have a lot of mass, unless, of, like my other bar, part of my brain just said, uh, unless it's a hot mass of hot air and a mess of hot air. But I don't think that has, like, I think that's lighter than actual air. That's why, uh, or I guess we're talking about helium now. No, but even if you, I'm t- how am I debating my brain? I'm saying, no, if you heat up regular air, that's all that's in a hot air balloon is warmer air, which, uh, so my hot air actually is uh, buoyant. And, and that's the whole purpose of the podcast, actually, is to, to be a buoyant thing for your thoughts uh, to carry them away or more to carry your attention away uh, or whatever's keeping you awake. And some community level of buoyancy, uh, of uplifting to say, hey, you're not alone there in the deep dark night. I've been there. Millions and millions of other listeners have been there. We know what it's like. And we all believe you deserve a good night's sleep. You deserve some companionship. You deserve some levity. And that's what I'm here for. Uh, to take your mind off of stuff, to, to goof around a bit, uh, or more than a bit, uh, with my tiny bits. Yeah, thanks, uh, thanks, uh, digital brain or whatever. And, uh, yeah, I, I guess to try to uplift things, to make them a little bit lighter. And to acknowledge that's not easy, whether you're, you know, you're, what is it, an indulgent proclamation, a forgotten proclamation, or whoever, whomever I was speaking of earlier. I'm just kidding. Of course I remember your name while well, I'm buying time to remember your name. Uh, superfluous, superfluous meanders. I'm just kidding. I, I didn't mean to get your name wrong. Part of my brain, and I can't remember its name. Uh, now I can't. Proclamation. Uh, uh, superfluous proclamation would be another name I might call you once upon a time. Indulgent proclamation. That's one. I think, I think that's like, uh, those ones are usually in, in, in neon indulgent proclamations on the side of the road. Yeah, I'm sorry. I forgot. I forgot. But anyway, I'm here to keep you all company to bring you in, to give you a hug, uh, to lighten the mood. Now, this podcast does not work for everyone, so give it a few tries. Literally 98% of the people that write reviews of the show, at least recently I was looking. I don't, looking, not licking. Uh, and a few people had written that they, they listened once and they stopped listening after like five minutes. And then they came back months later and became very, oh, this is like recent patrons. So they listened once, said, this isn't for me, then went back to it months later, and now they support the show. So give it a few tries. Maybe, you know, give it a break between a few tries. Uh, see if it helps. It doesn't work for everybody. It's very uh, strange. Uh, strange meanders. Uh, it's my middle name. One of my middle names is uh, Namesies. Uh, but I'm here to help. I've been there, sleepless, tossing, and turning aggro because they say what the heck i can't go to sleep why not uh and i'd like to help i'd like to give you uh, i'd like to share some of my hot air with the parts of you that want you want me to carry away just poof of hot air so i appreciate you coming by uh and i work very hard i yearn and i strive uh and i really want to help you fall asleep thanks so much and uh let's uh what do you say we keep the show going
when we hear about how we keep the show going. All right, hey everybody, as you're in bed there, resting deeper and falling asleep, I wanted to do a review run-through of our most recent series that just came to a conclusion, and it didn't even have a name. And I talk about, these are the kind of episodes where I talk in a slow, soothing, lulling voice about my creative process, maybe some influences and some things that came up. But I do it in a really meandering way. And I know some people will listen during the day to hear this, uh, but, you know, I'll package it as best I can in a nice, lulling, I mean, I'm overly verbose uh, and prone to tangents, obviously. So let me think about what I want to talk about. I do want to talk about the issues around naming the show. Uh, I guess like this was a bit of a departure in a bunch of different ways. And I did try to fuse a lot of things that have been successful in our last few series. Uh, This was also the first series that started on our new schedule. So I'll talk about that. uh, And I'll talk about what came up in really... uh, and how I broke the episodes down, uh, which is very similar to the normal process and the r- normal writing process of the show. Uh, and then uh, I guess so, so I'll talk about the, the writing schedule first and then maybe talk about the influences because the, the, the genesis of this idea precedes the podcast. And I even believe it's an idea that I've discussed on the podcast before. Uh, so, yeah, so this was the first episode or the first series. Uh, it, I don't know what number of series it is as we've gone from serial stories to trying to do something a little bit more episodic and modular as we uh, named it with uh, the Agatha series. Uh, but this was our first series of 2018, I believe, and uh, the first series as we moved to a twice-a-week schedule. In the past, it would have come out every Thursday, and instead, I don't know, I, I, I always just assume it comes out every 10 days, but I don't think mathematically that's accurate, but every third episode. And so that goes to the writing schedule, because when I was scheduling it, at this point, I don't take any time off of writing new episodes unless, uh, like, I'm not able to, like, which will come up in the talking about the schedule. But uh, otherwise, like, as soon as one series concludes, I'm writing on uh, schedule, I don't ever, I, I don't have time to serialize the stories anymore with the moving train of the podcast. So I'll usually just start writing the first episode right away. Uh, but this time I said, okay, well now I, instead of having a seven day writing deadline, it seems like I'll have a 10 day writing deadline because we'll only come out with three episodes of this series every month instead of four and for the first few episodes, I did stick to that. And I did notice a couple of things. And anybody that writes anything or has tried will notice uh, if you give yourself a little bit of extra time, sometimes you, you, you like getting used to a new writing schedule uh, can involve uh, some unfocus, uh, especially when you know, well, I have an extra day. So it is okay if I, like, uh, what was that? What did my phone, you know, check your phone notifications or whatever. Now, just for new listeners, I'll talk about that. So the, there's uh, the, the, uh, this series and then our new series uh, is a written series. It's not scripted so much as it is outlined and re-outlined with dialogue in it. 
And I do one. I used to do one of those a week when we we're on a three day a week schedule. Now every third episode is a written episode, and then one episode out of every three episodes in rotation is a TV based episode, and then one episode is a kind of made up improv story or half fiction, half personal essay story, like stream of consciousness. Uh, so that's the schedule. Is like it will go TV episode. A uh, trending Tuesday style episode and then a uh, written episode. And the reason that is, is because that's the only thing that's sustainable. Uh, uh, So much work goes into the creation of the podcast. And uh, those three different style episodes use three different skills and drain three different creative reservoirs. Uh, that can't provide, that can't, like, uh, they get tapped out when those episodes are created. So, like, a TV episode involves a lot of watching, a lot of note-taking, and a lot of contemplating and observing. Like, I watch it, the way I choose a TV show is because I watch it about, if I say, well, if I could watch an episode five times without dis- immediately disliking the show forever uh, and be able to do that, uh, like, three or four times a month, uh, uh, so if I could consume four episodes 20 times a month, then I can watch the show, then that show will work. And obviously there's not a lot of TV shows that fit those parameters. Uh, so that's how I choose a TV show. So that's one type of episode and one reservoir that it drains from or skill set it uses. Uh, then the, the made-up episodes involve me being observational all of the time to collect material and those are very, very draining creating them. They just uh, have to stay as calm as possible and stay in the moment and trust my gut, like all very things that I'm, uh, uh, and then those may take more editing in the end. And then the written episodes take uh, writing every single day and uh, trying to not, try to be focused when I'm writing so that I have enough material to record an episode and also dealing with procrastination. And so when I started the series, I was writing on a 10-day schedule. So every day, I have a half hour of focused writing time set aside to write the episodes. It's one of the first things I do in, in the day uh, because I consider it the most important thing because all of the other episodes rely on this. It's not like the writing just influences the episodes I'm writing. It helps develop the skills that uh, leak their way into everything I'm making for the podcast. And it's also challenging in, in a fulfilling way um, that while it's hard work and it's work I have to do every day, uh, without it, the podcast wouldn't be sustainable or exist. Um, which is kind of a, a hard to put, put into words, but so so every morning I was writing, and instead of having to have it done in seven days, for example, started on a Thursday, recorded on the next Thursday. Now it was like starting it on a Friday or whatever, and then having to record it on the next Monday or Tuesday or whatever. Ten days is later. And for the first few episodes, like, of any series or the act one of anybody, like, it's like, oh, boy, there's always a buzz when you for me. And so the writing always goes really well for the first one or two episodes. Not all the time, but most of the time. Because the idea is still fresh. It hasn't really, uh, I haven't hit the point where it becomes really hard work. Um, 
and I can I can usually maintain a pretty good focus for those 30 minutes every day for 10 days or in the past uh, seven days so that by the halfway through that writing time I'm doing rewriting and replotting and brainstorming saying okay that doesn't work uh, brainstorming and do de- deepening my relationship with the characters or whatever whatever is happening uh, so this story started out with like a lot of enthusiasm and for the first two episodes I think uh I don't have I, I don't keep a like a diary of it but I, I feel like it was good the writing was really flowing and having the extra two or three days allowed me to actually do like extra stage like the first day writing to be really relaxed and just kind of playing with uh, what is the theme? What are we exploring? And then on my day two of writing, I'd be like, okay, what in this series, what's the attraction? Uh, what is this like? Uh, what is the challenge? What is the need here? Does the attraction need something or does the girl need something? And okay, then what, what, how are we, how are we, then on day three, four, five, Okay, how is the plot uh, going to, or the physical makeup and the challenges which would make up the plot, uh, uh, providing the, what we need to get to the end of uh, the episode? And how does that play in? Uh, I, don't, I don't know. So how is it driving the story? And, and I mean, obviously, with uh, there's plenty of room for meanders. In this, if you're new to the show, there's an irony in that the more structured and more work that goes into the beginning of the episodes and the tighter the episodes can be going in, or on the Tuesday episodes, the more comfortable and uh, fully formed the idea is flowing out of me, actually the more room there is for the episode to go really slow and seem convoluted uh, and pointless uh, is weird. Like, the more structure... Uh, then the looser the episode is going to be because uh, it gives me a giant amount of confidence and comfortableness in the moment, in the recording moment. And it kind of gives me limitless options because I'm able to say, okay, these are the seven points we need to reach in the episode. Uh, so in between those seven points, we have a lot of freedom, but anytime stuff starts to peter off, uh, we know where we're going. Just like a Sunday drive in, in reality if the driver knows where they're going and they always know how to get there, they can take an endless amount of side roads. If they say, well, I have a, you know, a photographic memory of these roads, uh, so I know how to get to where we're going, even if we take these uh, 55 left turns or whatever. And if you know the schedule uh, and the time frame and where you're going, you can take, I think, I think that makes sense. And so the writing started off, like I said, on the 10-day schedule. And I really felt like the first few episodes really benefited from that. And actually gave me, I think the characters benefited from that, even though she was faceless and nameless and will remain so. uh, That was kind of a test uh, to to, to try out story-wise to say, okay, here's a blank, more blank canvas of a character uh, for the listeners to to have. uh, to having a relationship with. And because of the episodic nature of the story, like each new episode was her first arrival uh, and departure from an attraction for the most part. Uh, 
so there wasn't existing relationships. So it was a bit more of a, I don't know, I just felt like it, it added like an extra density and uh, dreaminess, uh, like almost like a faceless character. I mean, to me, she was not faceless, and hopefully, hopefully to you, she was not faceless. Uh, but maybe initially where it was more out of focus. Uh, I don't know if that makes sense, uh, but I don't know if it's super important either. But so, where was I? Okay, well, writing schedule is... Uh, but after, I think, like two or three episodes, uh, I think I caught a cold or something, and I also knew I was going to be out of town. I think this was in February. Uh, yeah, so at about a priority, recorded two or three episodes. And I think some other things happened where I fell off of the cushion because uh, one of the things about the podcast is the episodes are always coming out. So content always has to be being recorded, being prepared, uh, which is one stage of making the show, being recorded, which is another stage of the show, then being edited by the editors, another stage, then being remixed by Scoots and then being finalized and uploaded and everything. So that actually is like a five-week uh, ideally process uh, that there's uh, five weeks between at least the pre-production and the release. Ideally, it'd be five weeks between the recording and the release. Uh, but a lot of times we fall into like the one- or two-week thing when, you know, life happens. And so that was the case very quickly. Within two or three episodes, life had happened, and I said, okay, well, I have to get, it got to a point, luckily it wasn't that far into the new year, where I said, okay, I got to go back to a seven-day writing and recording schedule uh, because I need these episodes uh, finished, and I don't have the luxury of a 10-day. And at first I was hard, so I think I probably did three episodes on a 10-day writing schedule, and then I went back, uh, and I think the fourth episode maybe was a little bit fully formed or, you know, the story was a little bit more helpful. Or either the third or the fourth one where I went to a seven-day, I said, okay, this story, I kind of know it a little bit better. It's a little bit more apparent or something. Maybe that was Curly Sue. Let's see. The first episode was uh, the fairy tale boat ride. The second one was the old school uh, Dark Side of the Moon I don't know what the third episode was. There was gliding. Maybe that was the third episode. So maybe that was it where I was like, okay, this one. No, because that was a very, that one was a little bit story dense and it took some figuring to figure that one out. But maybe, so maybe it was a four, I don't know. But one, at some point I returned to a seven day writing schedule and I was pretty much stuck to that till the end of the series because like life got in the way, I think one or two other times, uh, I think there was a two-week period where I might not have recorded one of those episodes because I was out of town one week and then I was sick the next week. Um, but I'm not sure about that. But, but uh, whatever. At some point, I returned to a seven-day-a-week writing schedule. And it still worked because they said, okay, those muscles are still there and the muscle memory is still there. And having a seven-day writing schedule has a little bit more immediacy because it's not the, the um, that's the hard thing about sleep with me. The deadlines are not optional. Uh, just because of the amount of time I put into the show, like I don't have any extra time, so it's not like I can say, it, or it comes with a great consequence if I say, "Well, I'm supposed to record it on Friday, but I'll try to record it on Saturday or Sunday." 
uh, I already have those days are probably booked or say, okay, well, uh, if I push it to that and then something comes up like, Hey, can you go pick uh, somebody up or something? Or, Hey, I forgot to tell you, I need you here. Uh, it could creates a cascading effect. So the podcast, it's just like laying train track from moving train, which is a metaphor a lot of people use. And it's like, okay, I got to keep laying this track down. But that's a good thing. It's a huge motivating factor to get it done. And it helps keep, keep me focused. The deadlines uh, are uh, a symbiotic thing, maybe. So uh, going back to a 70 thing actually kept me a little bit more focused. It gave me a little bit less uh, wiggle room or the ability to be a little bit less precious and say, okay, let's just focus. What's the next story problem? Uh, what's, uh, unclear here. So maybe I'll talk about how I built out one of the episodes that I can remember, uh, here uh, while I talk, but I think I was trying to, oh, I was talking about the genesis of the idea. So that's basically switching from a 10 day to a seven day. Ideally for this next series we're doing, I'll be switching back to a 10 day schedule. And the day I'm recording, this was the first writing day of that series. So, But I had done some pre-writing and stuff uh, and daydreaming, which comes before the writing. Uh, like ideally, like a month ahead of time or two months ahead of time, I have a, a good, strong idea of what we're going to do. And then it strengthens the closer and closer we get to the when I commence writing. And this was like one of these ones. The series we're doing next, uh, uh, I don't want to tease it yet just because an episode hasn't been recorded. Um, but I had, uh, it was, it's a, it's a, uh, season two or something, uh, that a lot of people like. And, and I said, uh, okay, when I have an idea, I'll do it. And I had an idea like probably eight months ago. And that idea came at the wrong time because I said, okay, well, I don't have a spot for that series uh, till next year. So I don't know. Uh, and I don't think I, I, I think I like said, okay, like if we're walking or something, we can discuss this more. And then the idea clicked. I said, oh, okay, I see what you're saying. Whatever my story brain or the story. So I said, hey, like it was pitching me the story. Because uh, it has to have some sort of... Uh, it has to have some sort of fuel that's going to get it through 10 or 12 episodes uh, in that renewable fuel for these ones that are more episodic where it's like, okay, can that operate in its own vacuum each time too? Can it carry through 10 or 12 episodes? Does it have viable characters? And does it have uh, the ability to, to generate uh, good, good content? And so what was it? What was I saying? Uh, I have no idea why I brought any of this up. Oh, so the idea came to me, and they said, well, this isn't the best time. So we talked about it a little bit, and then it, it got more concrete. Like this part of me that generates the stories or whatever, that's not a part of my whatever subconscious or whatever you want to call it, or more likely some sort of collective unconscious. I don't know. It said, hey, I said, holy cow, that's good. Like whatever the, the thematic thing was, it was going to like carry everything through and tie it all together. I said, okay, that's good. We can, I can see that generating everything. And I don't think I wrote it down. Maybe I wrote it down somewhere, but it was such a strong idea that I said, I'll never forget that. Uh, maybe, yeah, it was probably eight months ago. And yeah, it was probably eight months ago. And I said, okay. And then I went back on to whatever the series was, uh, probably after Glass Slipper, 
And then I had to move on to As North Pole Returns, Returns, and then this series that we're just doing, the theme park one. And during the theme park series, I did have to start uh, saying, okay, what was that idea again? And I can honestly, I have no idea. Like, I have a general uh, sense of it, but the actual, uh, the powerful throughput thing uh, that would make it work, it was gone. And I said, okay, I have an idea of the place and the time it was taking uh, in a general sense of the situation, but whatever uh, uh, the action-reaction driver was, it was gone. And it wasn't a, it was some sort of subtle thing where I, it wasn't brainstormable. Uh, and I said, oh, mo- oh no, like really I did. I was like, uh, this is probably when I wasn't feeling good. Uh, uh, cause that would have been three episodes would have been done. So I was like, okay, I need something in about, uh, two months. Uh, and then I said, what am I going to do here? Uh, cause I didn't have any other, uh, uh fully formed things ready to go. And here's the great thing about learning and growing, I guess, is like I did have to say, okay, well, this is a season two. We have strong characters. And uh, let's trust that the idea is either going to return to us or that's going to be okay. Because it was so early, I said, like, but that we're going to do, we're going to return to that series probably. Let's reassess things in a few weeks. And let's see if the idea comes back. And it didn't come back, but I kept saying, okay, let's just trust whatever this process is, the story swamp, as I call it, that the story will be there when we need it, uh, that we'll remember this thematic thing, or we'll figure out something else, or we could go in another direction, and the story swamp will also provide that. Maybe we have to do a new series, or maybe we'll return to another old series. And then I also keep a list of non-sleep-with-me ideas uh, in the event I ever uh, have any extra time to do, like, another podcast or something, uh, which is not something I'm pitching or saying is is happening anytime soon. And those are other ideas when I'm going for a walk that I'll ponder and say, huh, like, is someone doing a podcast about this, or how would this story play out? And I had another story idea and it was kind of there, and I said, oh, wow, that's an interesting idea. Again, having a conversation with this in the story swap or whatever, I said, hmm, uh, so how would that work? Oh, okay. And just general, uh, these are general premises, not uh, like either based on a character or an idea. And there was one premise that came up that I kind of liked, and I said, wow, if I was going to work on another fictional podcast, uh, I had these two competing premises, and I said, well, I would work on one of those, uh, but I don't have time. So, again, it's kind of like a kid. You say, listen, I love your ideas. Uh, let's keep a track on them. Uh, but, unfortunately, I don't have any time to work on that now. But respecting and vindicating them, and I guess probably writing them down because you don't want to, uh, you like, that's another form of uh, whatever you call it. <laughs> so you don't lose it uh, and saying, oh, that idea is precious. We just can't explore it any further. But this, both ideas were kind of sticky in my brain. And I said, that is interesting, though, thinking about what you're saying. And then eventually what happened was like one of those things with like one of those, what are those called, graphs or something, where lines start crossing. And I started getting closer and closer to the end of the theme park series. And I didn't have, I said, that premise hadn't returned to me. 
And I said, well, okay, what do we have otherwise? Like, we could start from scratch. We, we do have the ability to that. We could say, okay, let's just do a season two of this series. You know, we've been making this podcast long enough that, yeah, the first episode, if we don't have a, a throughput premise, it'll be a lot more work uh, of brainstorming and some, like, bulldozing level brainstorming in blue sky, whatever you want to call it, to generate the a premise for that. But those are very strong characters, so we probably could do it. And again, this is stuff I don't, that doesn't come natural to me, all this, like, uh, kind of like a self-parenting or kindness and loving of uh, story ideas, but uh, it's become a necessity. And I said, okay, don't worry, we'll, we'll figure it out. And again, I guess it's just spending time in the story swamp. I say, okay, we'll get down there. Story swamp's not the greatest place, you know, it's a swamp. But we'll probably get down there. We'll find our way. And then, like, this is like a, maybe the idea of loosening the ropes or whatever, the knots. And then I said, wait a second. Uh, and then I started saying, let me spend some time with these characters again, because I do love them, too. And maybe talking to the characters or whatever. This is all when I'm not working, like when I'm walking or taking a shower or something. And then one of those two premises, and this is a dangerous thing. You can't go in with a premise for another podcast or another medium and shoehorn it in there. But then that part of me said, well, what about that other premise we had? And I said, well, that really won't work. Uh, and I said, well, what about the underlying idea? And I said, the under, tell me more. What's this underlying idea? And I said, well, what about this character? It does share the traits with the character based on that premise. Uh, and I said, oh, really? Tell me more about that. And I said, we'll see. They're both. And I said, okay. And then something else happened across my path. And I said, oh, wait a second. You're right. And then that was it. I said, okay, now we have a new premise uh, with this, this, this second season. And so that's what we're doing next uh, on a seven day. Are we on a, no, now we're on a 10 day writing schedule right now. And today was day one. Uh, so I guess uh, that was a long way of saying what I was uh, pre-writing I was doing. And now today, day ones are always of, an, of a new episode are usually, like I said, kind of saying, okay, well, let, well, I'll go into episode. Let me tell you about the genesis of the idea for this series we just did. Uh, since I told you about the genesis, uh, genesis of the idea for the next series. And then I'll break, maybe break, try to break down an episode. Uh, so the genesis of this idea, actually, I thought it pre pre preceded the podcast, but it actually doesn't because I remember I was sober. And I got sober after I started the podcast. And so this idea was after I started the podcast that this idea came up, but it wasn't for the podcast. And it occurred in all places of uh, Legoland, uh, California, near San Diego. And my so this would have been the first year of the podcast. So this would have been 2014, February 2014. And uh, I was very freshly sober, and uh, it was a long weekend, and... Uh, uh, my, my ex and I decided to take our daughter to uh, Legoland in uh, San Diego. Uh, for the long weekend, and she uh, let's see, she, so it was 2014. Is that what I said? So she was seven, and kind of the perfect age, just at the end of the perfect age for Legoland. If you're thinking about going to one of the two Legolands, uh, 
a mature seven is a, a, probably the pinnacle of Lakeland experience. Maybe a six or five might be better. Uh, but my daughter had a great time. She she was a mature seven, but, but like uh, also a kid seven. So like she was able to enjoy everything. But I think any more mature, in it, it would have seemed a little bit kiddy. But there is a place where they get to drive their own car. Uh, but that had a long line. Uh, so we went the first day. We went to Legoland. The first ride, or one of the first rides, is a fairy tale boat ride. And uh, I remember it was even we were waiting in line for a while, not super long, but I was just sitting there observing, you know, soaking it in. Uh, and there was uh, these the boat. It was a boat ride, and the boats were made to look like Lego leaf boats, leaf boats, Lego leaf boats. That's a mouthful. And they worked their way through fairy tale Lego based scenes. Uh, and I just liked the image of this slow-moving leaf, uh, how it was like uh, plastic and based in Legos, but kind of uh, evocative of nature of a leaf floating in a river. And it just seemed very, uh, I don't know, very enticing to me and, and then very sleepy. Like I could picture a child curled up in the boat, uh, in the boat sleeping. And this is the kind of things I think about when I'm waiting in line. And I just kept thinking about that image, and I guess because I was with my daughter, like thinking about this young girl uh, sleeping in this boat and then imagining this was daytime, but then imagining what it was like at night. And then, the, 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 yeah, that would be a pretty cool place to sleep. And then just uh, personifying the ride as this mother figure. And I said, that's an interesting idea, like uh, personifying the, the attractions, uh, in these roles of raising a child, I said, we were just having this discussion in line, me and my brain or whatever, saying, well, so she would live in a theme park. Uh, and I said, that's a nice story idea, probably not for sleep with me. But I said, that could make for something interesting. And again, it was very evocative and it just called to me, like all of the other stories I do. The idea was, uh, it kept calling back to me, but podcast idea or not, I would think about it. I'd say, man, uh, I love the idea of a girl uh, growing up in an abandoned theme park uh, and that the rides are, um, something's going on with the attractions uh, that they're a part of, uh, maybe a parental unit or a sibling unit or whatever uh, you want to decide by your own meaning. Uh, so it was an idea I couldn't forget, but again, like that was 2014, and that was as formed as it became. And again, I didn't think, I said, well, I don't know if it fits with sleep with me. And I couldn't see its legs and the rest of the structure. And I always have kind of a general idea of like where I'm slotting things. Uh, and if I don't have something to go in a slot uh, over a year, I'm trying to plan out the show. It's like, uh, okay, well, what would go in that if, if we're right currently kind of doing new series, second season, holiday series, uh, new series, second season uh, type uh, release, uh, there was always stuff slotted in there. Or if it wasn't slotted and I said, okay, well, what, uh, what will we put in there? I said, well, what about that girl in the theme park? I said, well, what more do you have? Uh, and that part of me would be like, I don't know. I just see her. I, I think I'm interested in it. 
And I'd say, yeah, I find it interesting too. But how would that be a podcast that puts people to sleep? Um, and again, after making it fully formed, it's a much different situation than when the idea is just in its infancy. To be like, okay, yeah, you're right, I don't see it. And there's this whole idea in podcasting now, or there always has been, but it's called audio first. It's like a lot of content creators are audio first. They're making their podcast to be a really good podcast. You think about everyone at Night Vale Presents or people like Paul Bay or Lauren Shippen. Um, yeah, like uh, they make things audio first. They make these great podcasts and then they may translate into other mediums, uh, but they're leading audio first. And the same thing goes for Sleep With Me. It's like uh, not only is it audio first, but it's a Sleep With Me first. And then I have to say, no, 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 it's sleep with me first, not just good story first. Like, yeah, we might have a good story idea, but it might not be a sleep with me idea. As we said with this new series, I said, well, those are great ideas, but they're not sleep with me ideas. Uh, And this comes from making mistakes. Uh, There was uh, two series I did early on. I mean, and I was in a much different situation where... I was way more desperate for material and I had much less experience that I took ideas that weren't sleep with me first. And I said, well, I have this story idea ready to go in this premise. Let's just start making episodes so we can have content to release. And early on, those didn't necessarily work because I said, well, this isn't really a sleep with me uh, first idea. It's all, and they were, uh, they weren't even audio first actually ideas. They were, uh, yeah, but it, so it didn't work out. Uh, neither one of those series even reached completion because they said this isn't working as a sleep. I think I got it to like where it was audio first, but I said, well, this isn't sustainable for a sleep with me episode uh, week after week. Uh, so, but, so this idea, but I kept coming back to it. And there is something dreamy about a theme park and. Um, but there's a lot of themes that you have to be very careful with, with sleep with me. So I said, I don't know if I could avoid all of those uh, massive themes, uh, with that. So maybe not, but the idea, you know, it stuck with me and eventually I got, uh, I don't have the next where the idea, uh, evolved next, but at some point it evolved next to be like, Oh, you know what? No, I think that is a sleep with me idea. Like, uh. The idea of eat, maybe that was the next evolution that each ride would be a parental or a sibling type figure, and that it would be more about her relationship with the attraction than the the who or the who what where and why. I think that was the issue because the idea of the, that the situation, uh, the who what where and why, uh, she, who is this girl in the theme park that. Uh, is just, uh, that's one place you could explore. But I was like, oh, if we explore for sleep with me, it might not work, uh, especially if you want to relate to her. Uh, but uh, as the lead, as the main through point, uh, the where, I guess like maybe that is what we led with in some sense. It's more of a relational thing. But uh, the why, why is she there? No, no, no. Can't even touch that. I mean, I can know why. Or you can imagine why, but to, to plumb why for 11 episodes is the main intent. It couldn't work uh, when probably that's, again, something that can be touched upon 
but not uh, those depths can't be plumbed into. And there has to be depths to plumb into. Otherwise, the show, there's no way to make a 45-minute podcast episode. But, but I said, oh, if the focus is her relationship with the attraction and that some lesson or something, some sort of exchange has to happen, some sort of healing or lesson uh, for one or the other or both, uh, they said that's very contained, that's non-serial, so it's, it has episodic potential. And that means we can keep a lot of these uh, who, what, where, and why is at the periphery. If she's interacting uh, with a, like a personified non-human, uh, that's a different level of possibility than if she's engaging with an equal or some other human being character. Uh, it's going to expose a lot more. Uh, it's going to expose her humanity in a much different way. And in this way, I said, okay, this is open to a whole lot of audience projection, which, again, I think I learned from in both ways from this. Maybe I'll touch on that. But uh, And then for the attractions, I said, okay, well, there's this benefit of nostalgia and positive memories and uh, childhood memories and a ton of visual and, uh, like, uh, details uh, and all that can counteract the who, what, where, and why and uh, become a point, and they can also play into the plot. And so once it became that point that it was like, okay, it's uh, it's not about her just exploring the theme park. It's about her spending time with each of these attractions with a purpose we might not know or understand right away. I don't know. I think that like uh, it just became a much different story than if you're exploring who is who is she, why is she here, what is the uh, situation that like uh, it's much more dreamlike, and that was the goal. These challenges in the story also offer this dreamy like opportunity, and uh, this ability to to, to dabble in, in a new way, in a new narrative voice, and in a new way with a projection. And what gaps will the audience fill in? Now, what I realized is that that has two sides or two edges to it. And that, that was very informative, uh, was that uh, when you play in this level of projection and narrative voice, uh, it does have, with some listeners, it, it was, uh, I think, the idea of the, like, uh, one, everybody has a different relationship with childhood and, and children and uh, parental figures uh, in that, but also the idea that the narrative voice was, I think, like uh, talking directly to someone that wasn't the listener. Uh, like, uh, that was where the edge, it's like, okay, well, then it really depends on how the listener is projecting onto the characters. Uh, and if they're project like that, then that's totally out of my control. Um, I mean, in some sense, it is not totally out of my control, but like this type of dabbling where the character, the attraction was always kind of talking directly back at her, uh, but it was a non-intimacy. It wasn't talking to you, the listener. It was talking to her. And I think that's like a disruptive level, like, like a disrupted, uh, for some people, uh, just a strange, small shift in narrative direction 
uh, like one of the intimacies of podcasts where it's like, oh, well, most of the time the podcast is just for you, right? You're listening. It's just for you. And I think that maybe created some dissonance to people that really got in deep. Uh, only, well, not everybody. I mean, but just a small percentage that said, oh, that's interesting. I would have never have known that if I didn't try it. And I could relate to it. I said, oh, I think I understand. Like, it's a strange, uh, uh, what is it? I don't even know if it's third, second, or first person talking to, uh, like, it's just, there is some dissonance. Because it's like, wait, the ride is, is sounding like it's talking to me, but it's talking to her. And, uh, like, uh, it depends on what people are saying. Well, what is your intention talking to her? You know, you know I, I, it was just really a, a big learning experience Uh and always part of the podcast is like, uh, it's not going to work unless the podcast evolves and changes. Like your brain bots are going to catch it and, and, uh, and interrupt it. It's not going to be sustainable. I can't keep making, couldn't put this much work into something that's only repetitive and, and, uh, um, I'm, yeah. And so, uh, what's my point? My point is, uh, the podcast is always going to dabble. And oh, what can we do with a narrative voice? And where is this? What, what like uh, aspects of who's telling the story? Who are the whom or whom are they telling it to? Who or whom are they telling it for? And what is the intention? What is the narrator narrator's intention? Maybe that was something I should like. I, I think I probably could have overcome that. Um, but I wouldn't have known that by making that clear in some reassuring way, like interrupting the projection or adding uh, uh, one more screen of projection to say, okay, all of these characters, I never gave, like I never gave the attractions. I mean, this is because it's a big part of the story. So I guess it would have irrevocable. It was the same issue that came up with naming the series is that uh, uh, by uh, telling the attra- intention of the attractions, it would derail the mystery of the story and the dream the density, dream density, I, I thought. Uh, and as far as that, the majority of the feedback I got was that this was one of the uh, densest episodes, so it put most people to sleep. Uh, but uh, most of the people that are, are episode listeners, uh, uh, like, uh, really related, uh, and that the, the aspects that drew me about... Uh, uh, relational, familial relations, and solving problems in an episodic fashion, and, and in a place uh, rich with nostalgia and detail, like those all like uh, succeeded. It was just a matter of what. I guess the main point is that uh, because each attraction's intention was a mystery. If it wasn't a mystery, if I had said, okay. Well, Curly Sue is your aunt, like the same. Like if I made the relation more clear, and why Curly Sue was the attraction, but that's a different story. This wasn't the story I was telling. But if I did do that, it would have changed the story of like, uh, well, Curly Sue wants to help you learn this lesson uh, because she's your aunt and she needs you to do this. Uh, that would have uh, given a screen, a different screen to, for people to project on. I guess, uh, and, and maybe I'm just theorizing. Uh, but the the story was different than that. And again, I've told this, I'm not going to, like, uh, this story is much more, the, one of the most open to projection and interpretation uh, series. It is the most uh, that we've done. Uh, 
And I wanted to give people the freedom to have their own constructs and meaning. The deep listeners, uh, which I know is a tiny, tiny percentage of people. But you invest your time exploring the depths of the stories, and I invest my time in creating them for you. And that's part of our compact. And, yeah, the compact, uh, nobody's perfect. And uh, some of my meaning will leak out and say, well, that's not the same as the meaning I was finding. I mean, that's part of the hard, one of the hard parts of creation and consumption of creation or art or whatever you want to call it. Um, but yeah, I don't want, I, I felt like even, uh, so even giving the intention or the purposes other than the episodic purpose, which was still somewhat mysterious, uh, and even by naming the series that it would have been, um, it would have impinged on that in some way. And I, I struggle with it because it's a very forward premise. There's a girl who lives in an abandoned theme park. Okay, abandoned is a word you probably can't use on Sleep With Me, at least on a regular basis. Like the situational basis, I think, is fine. But a girl who lives in like an empty theme, okay, empty is probably not a good term for Sleep With Me. But it's also like, well, is it abandoned or is it not? Is it empty? Is it not? Uh, um. I'm not raising those questions to to, to, to to discuss the meaning, but more of like uh, when I'm trying to figure out, uh, like, uh, is she a girl or is she a young woman even to me? Well, no, she's both. She's a child at points. She's a girl and she's a young woman at points. Uh, and then it was like, I didn't want to do it. And it was, uh, I also didn't want to um, do anything diminutive, uh, diminutive, uh, however you say that, uh, to her because I had developed a deep relationship with her as a character and uh, I, I didn't want to just name it something uh, that would take any power away from her and her mystery and her right I guess as a character to her own journey and her own meaning and her open own openness to projection of meaning um, and that by labeling her uh, it just felt dangerous to me with the story that it was like, uh, especially early on, it's like, I don't know who she, like, I don't have a, like, uh, in episode three or four, our relationship was, you know, different than by the end in our, whatever, our level of, uh, uh, my level of understanding of her and, and watching her make her own choices. Uh, so that's kind of why I didn't name the series. Uh, I guess it kind of goes into like breaking the story. I'm trying to think, like, I think I've talked about this before, but let me think on, like, uh, which one I can most easily remember. I mean, what I would normally start with is, like, I would try to find a theme first, and I have different ideas uh, or ways of finding a theme for an episode, usually based on reading or something. And I say, okay, well, there's a theme of, like, a type of power struggle or a type of lesson, life lesson. And, like, I would brainstorm on something general like that. This is how I do most episodes. Uh, and then I would say, for this one, I'd say, okay, well, what theme park attractions? Uh, not so much fit that theme, but just call to me. Okay, so flume ride. I don't think we did a flume ride, but uh, I wish, you know, that would be season two if we do it. Uh, or, okay, a uh, boat ride. Okay, like, uh, so then I was thinking about... um you know, the theme that it became is open to your interpretation, but, uh, 
They said, okay, it's a small world. And I said, okay, well, let's try to re like, uh, what theme would we put on that and how would we change it? Uh, so then he thought about a toy town or whatever. And I said, okay, and then how has the ride changed from when it was a functional theme park uh, to the present? And the theme usually helps determine that, uh, to say, okay, well, there's something uh, at the beginning and the end that's much different than the middle. And all of it was different from the intended story of the attraction. Then there's a subversive layer of like, what was the intended uh, purpose of this attraction about toys and uh, playing with toys and who sponsored it? And then it's the relationship with the character and her relationship with what she sees and how she negotiates that and what is she, what is the, uh, what is her need or what does she feel like the attractions need or the situational need is. And then just writing that out, uh, like, uh, it, for small world, they didn't look up a map or any pictures of the attraction. I just went on my general idea of my mind and the idea of the song and the idea of, uh, robotic kids playing with stuff or whatever, paper mache kids and, uh, the idea of a drained canal versus a canal full of water, which would make sense in the situation. And then another post like the feral cats of the park and thinking about them and, and her relationship with them. And also thinking about like introducing an idea of her looking out at the outside world. And that was actually open. I said, well, what would she see? And I remember coming back to it in rewrites and being like, well, would she see this? What would she see? Well, like, uh, how does she feel when she's looking out? And I mean, that was really a lot of it, uh, trying to really bury that in the depths and the thickness of the story. Uh, and as many layers as I could, it's like, how is she feeling? Uh, and uh, what is it like? How are her feelings driving the plot? Or how are these attractions uh uh, like, uh, she, she didn't, she was by herself, you know, like how all these rides are meant to be consumed by groups of people. And, uh, she, she's exploring her purpose and meaning in this world, which is her world, her world at all, or her world in all. So I don't know. I think like, I, I just really, really, uh, it was a real departure. I think, uh, a lot less humor. Most of the humor was through the narration instead of uh, situational humor or even character-based humor. It was like observational uh, by the narrator observing or making light of things. Um, but uh, um, And then having the attractions is a, another layer of mystery because it's like, are these like... Uh, I don't want to even talk anymore about it. just another uh, thick layer of mystery. Uh, so it's, it's different in a departure. And I think like uh, when you say sleep with me first, uh, and, and when you think about the most successful things on sleep with me are always at the margins. Uh, and so this one was definitely at the margins because there was a small percentage of people that said, hey, this, uh, whatever the narrative tone, uh, it didn't work for me. Uh, but then uh, there was a percentage of people that said, this is the most sleepiest thing uh, since whatever, Claude Neon or something. And I think that might have been the most sleepy thing uh, before this. 
Yeah, the North Pole got a like a big level of sleep. Uh, so it's usually when something works, it's like uh, or doesn't work. Uh, like the things that don't work for, for uh, uh, like uh, if you give feedback about something that doesn't work, then the other side, it's like it has the most intense super fans. Yeah, uh, like on location episodes. I guess on location episodes are more even. Uh, it would say with the on location episode. Like 33% of people they say, well, I just listen to the podcast. Like uh, 33% of people say I won't listen to them. And 33% said if every episode was on location, I'd be happy. Or Ray, I think Ray's more like 70% would listen to every episode if Ray did it. And 33% of people would stop listening to the podcast. Uh, so, yeah, that's a little bit about uh, that was a different journey. And this was a, just a different series a little bit. And then the next one will be much another departure in a return. Uh, it'll be a return for sure. It's just some elements and characters. Uh, like if I record, I mean, ideally, I'll be recording that uh, like around a week from today or a week and a day or two. Um, and that'll be a departure into something uh a little bit different, another narrative voice and familiar with uh, New Chwest, uh, but I appreciate it. And uh, if you're listening to this, because you say, well, like, as you can hear, like, all these ideas come from some mysterious place uh, that I don't quite understand. And I don't know if it's within me or within my imagination or coming from a collective unconscious or a true uh, story swamp uh uh, that wants the stories to be shared out in the world. And I'm lucky to have like uh, an opportunity to go there and walk around. But it all comes from like a, a also a relational thing to say, hey, let me know a little bit more about this idea. And having uh, slowly developed that relationship with myself and still being imperfect, uh, I want you to develop that relationship for you with yourself and your ideas. Uh, say, hey, why don't you draw a picture about this? Or, well, well, you know, let's take piano lessons. You say, hey, you might not be able to act on it or uh, do it right away. But you can say, hey, I like that idea. Um, can't do it right now, but let me give you a hug. Because uh, that's what I try to do with this podcast, too, is just give you a little hug and say, snuggle in. Uh, I'm here to help. Okay. Good night. Uh, thanks. iTunes reviews or, uh, or an Apple podcast. Uh, thanks everybody for taking the time to review the show. Uh, Molly, um, Amalia, Amalia seven says magic. Hill simultaneously, simultaneously hilarious and boring, soothing voice, careful patience, careful pacing, tangents within tangents, mistakes within mistakes. Uh, to create a podcast that helps you sleep doesn't work. Uh, uh, I don't know how he hit on the magical sleep recipe, but it's effective. Uh, just had a baby, and I have to sleep when I can at random times of the day. This has been a huge help. Uh, thank you so much. Uh, VM says the podcast has changed, and uh, they, they, does, they prefer the old shows, uh, which is good because our sponsors help keep all the old shows free. Or really, the listeners that support the sponsors. So thank you to them. Ella two six four from the UK says genuinely works. Fantastic show works perfectly for getting to sleep or just getting your mind to switch off from worries or repetitive thoughts. Highly recommend. 
Uh, X Galabar says it actually works. Uh, they're from Australia. First played the podcast, turned off in five seconds, uh, thinking no way. But I went back to it, and sure enough, I was getting the most restful sleep I have gotten in a long time. I can listen to episodes over and over, fall asleep quickly. Recommend you give it a try and be patient with it. Uh, this dude will definitely lull you to sleep, and if you're wide awake, he's also very funny. Uh, all Moo says, uh, love, uh, we love more super cuts of afterglass slippers. Sometimes it takes me a long time and I get distracted if I switch stories by accident. Uh, flying ape, uh, what did, wait, what did he just say? Prepare to be confused to sleep. Uh, why did post a review? It contained a joke, uh, about a pi- pi- plot twist in a recent series. Uh, but to be honest, I don't remember. I've listened to every episode since I subscribed. Scooter will engage in circular conversations with himself about the meaning of words, if they really exist. Uh, maybe he should keep a dream, dream journal until they become a real word. He often questions the pronunciation of simple words uh, like uh, pronunciation. Uh, you get the picture. You'll fall asleep. You'll be confused. And you'll never have answers, but you'll have sleep. The best episode is Talking Bogs. Because uh, I seriously thought he was in a bog. Actually, it really wasn't a bog that night. Uh, I think that, uh, like, uh, in those location episodes, I'm usually there. Uh, but thanks, uh, Grape Ape or Flying Ape. Uh, Penny X is, uh, says it from the UK, says, thank you. I use it every night for my weird sleep patterns. Very grateful. Bugsy M from Australia. Uh, love it. Starting to use this podcast to help fall asleep a month ago. Works so well. I play it every night. Still don't have a clue what happens in the stories. Uh, if you're having trouble falling asleep, uh, this will be a game changer. Thanks. Uh, Delatastic. Uh, part of my morning routine. I wake up hours early, just the sleep phones, put them over my eyes, and I'm lulled back to sleep with a soothing voice. Uh, my favorite is Summer of the Horse. Uh, also take you on business trips, and since I'm uh, from the Bay Area, your voice makes me feel homey and secure. Thanks, sleep with me. Thanks, Dilly. And finally, my kind of luck says, wonderful. Scoots help me sleep every night like a friend sitting by your bed, helping you drift off until you gently drift off. Love it. Thank you. Thanks, everybody, for reviewing the show on Apple Podcasts, and good night.